0: welcome to the Brave Marriage Podcast. I'm Kinzie Dozinski, a licensed marriage and family therapist and certified professional coach, and this is a podcast for couples who want to grow as individuals, do marriage with intention, and live mutually empowered, purposeful lives. This is week two of our COVID-19 series, and today we're talking about how to move through your emotions, especially strong emotions or emotions that in one way or another feel negative to you. I said this last week on the How to Manage Your Mental Health episode, but if there were ever a time to learn how to do this work of managing and improving your mental and emotional health, it's now. Because the situation that's impacting us all is giving us tons of opportunity to practice and to learn to do something more productive with our emotions than perhaps we've done in the past. So before I go into how to manage your emotions, it's important for you to know what they're there for. Simply put, emotions communicate. They provide feedback for us to know how we're doing, to know what we're thinking, and to know what's driving our behavior. Now, this is the privilege that our emotions afford us if we're willing to take the time to learn to self-reflect and develop the skill of noticing, naming, and accepting our emotions as feedback. But what many of us do is we disregard our emotions. There's a common fallacy which says if I don't pay attention to how I'm feeling, then I can do what needs to be done. I can keep moving forward and living my life without my emotions getting in the way. But this approach actually has the opposite effect because when we don't check in with how we feel, our emotions eventually come out sideways. Or on the other end of the spectrum, when we indulge our emotions, our actions come out sideways. Let me give you an example. (laughs) Last Wednesday, I got an email from my state licensure board saying that if I wanted to conduct online therapy services during the COVID-19 crisis, I would need to take 15 hours of continuing education on technology-assisted services in order to stay above board and provide ethical services to my clients. So I got the email Wednesday, and the training was to be held on Friday. It was Friday, 8 a.m. to 7 p.m., and Saturday, 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. It was $200, and it was the only CE option in my state that had been pre approved by my licensure board. So, along with 200 other LMFTs this weekend, I rearranged my schedule for Friday, I paid the fee, and I jumped on an all day, two day Zoom call. And toward the end of the day, Friday, There was a woman who was a bad actor, if you will, as the governor of Kentucky has been calling people, who decided to complain to the instructor in front of 200 others about how much information this was to retain and how it should be available to rewatch later, how unfair it was that we had to take this course because no other courses were pre-approved, and how terrible it was that we had to pay for an emergency continuing ed during this time even though the instructors were offering the CE for free. They were just raising money to support our LMFT state legislative group. Now, this was someone who's trained as a licensed professional, but who, you guys, is also a human. Just like every other person out there right now going through this thing, and just like every other helping professional on the front lines right now, with her own fears, her own stressors, her own anger, and her own unprocessed emotions. Has anyone else been here? Or is it just me? Maybe your fears and strong emotions haven't come out in a group of 200, but maybe you found yourself immediately reactive without really knowing why. But what I loved about this moment was that the instructor simply empathized with her feelings. He said, I know this is a stressful time and that it feels unfair and that it's not an ideal situation. We're all doing the best we can, including us, who've donated our time to try and help licensed professionals provide the best care that they can to their clients. So let's just all take a deep breath and try to get through this together. And the woman obliged. It was like you could see her settle down as the instructor named her emotions and as she was gaining an awareness in real time of what was going on for her as he paid attention to her emotions, but didn't allow her to indulge them or to cause a reaction on his end, which is the most therapeutic thing he could have done for her. And here's what I want you to realize. All of us are feeling very ambivalent right now. There are lots of mixed emotions if we stop and pay attention, but paying attention is what's going to make the difference in whether we react with the same old patterns that have helped us get our needs met in the past like this woman who learned somewhere along the way that complaining would help her get her way or at least feel more in control of the world around her, or whether we respond in healthy and appropriate ways to the world around us. Had she processed her emotions before the training, she would have been able to acknowledge her own anger and resentment, maybe her sense of entitlement to not have to experience the world as she was experiencing it, And she then would have been able to say, you know, this sucks. I don't want to do this. I wish someone else were offering training or that I hadn't waited to take 15 hours of CEs until now. But now that I've named how I feel and accepted reality, I can choose not to let my emotions get the best of me. I can act in emotionally healthy, developmentally appropriate, and socially constructive ways. Not because I don't also have strong feelings about what's going on, but because I've given my strong feelings their space. And now I can contribute out of my values and morals and convictions rather than reacting out of my fears and uncertainty. I can lead from a place of reason rather than taking the lead from my fight, flight, or freeze brain. So I'm going to walk you through six steps to help you better manage and move through your emotions. Step one, pay attention to what you feel. Right now, how do you feel as you listen to this? How do you feel as you listen to me talk about emotions? How do you feel as you think about your current situation? How does your body feel? Does it feel tight, tense, heavy, or relaxed, active, or engaged? So often, we either live in our heads as we think about the past or the future, and we can neglect to check in with how we actually are in the present. Does that make sense? Like we plan for a future we can't control, which causes us distress, or we ruminate on a past which we cannot change, and this also causes us distress. So, what I'm asking you to do is to come back to the present moment wherever you are for just a second and notice how you feel sad, happy, peaceful, anxious, intrigued, numb, content. Step two is stay with those feelings for a moment. Don't push them away, even though you may be tempted to do so right now. Your body and your brain may be begging you to get rid of your current thoughts and feelings, but just tell your brain and your body that they will be A-OK, that you appreciate the help, but you are choosing to allow yourself to feel your emotions and how they're showing up in your body right now, uncomfortable as it may be, because your emotions The ones that you're feeling in this moment hold important information for you. They're communicating what you care about. So if you're stressed about COVID-19, that may mean that you care about your health, your family's health, your job, other people's jobs or health or financial situation. It may mean that you're community-oriented and someone who wants to engage and help in the world around them. Or if you're bored or annoyed with an unproductive Zoom meeting, that may mean you care about productivity or efficiency or talking about things that matter to you or actually making a difference. See how you can use your emotions to your advantage? Our brains and our bodies are intelligent friends, but it's up to us to pay attention. And then to decide whether or not we're going to use that information to motivate us in healthy and productive ways or to indulge ourselves and let our emotions lead us in unhealthy and unproductive ways. Step three is detach from your emotions a little bit to observe what's going on inside. Yes, your emotions are a part of you, but you are also capable of metacognition, one of the gifts of being a human. So the very fact that you can think about your emotions as simply a part of you would suggest that you are not your emotions. You are more than that. You go beyond that, which is good news for all of us experiencing strong emotions that we're not quite sure about right now. So to help you detach, I want you to imagine that you're looking at all of your feelings externally. So your feelings aren't inside of you anymore. They're outside of you. This helps create a little space between you and your emotions. Maybe you actually want to write feeling words on paper to get them out and in front of you. Maybe you want to put all the emojis that represent your feelings in a note on your phone. Or maybe you just want to imagine them like a cast of characters, as in the movie Inside Out. Okay, now that you're looking at them, outside of you, in front of you, and non-judgmentally observing your emotions, Now you have the opportunity to get curious about them. What are those emotions trying to say? What warnings or encouragements are they trying to give you? What truths or deceptions are they leading you toward? I know this is a strange exercise, but with practice, it can be extremely helpful. So as you take a look at your sadness, what is it trying to say? Maybe it's saying, this is hard, this hurts, and I need comfort right now. I wish someone would take care of me. What is your fear trying to communicate? Maybe it's saying, this is scary. I feel vulnerable and exposed, and I need some reassurance right now. Remember when I said if we don't pay attention to our emotions, they come out sideways? Well, this step of non-identifying and compassionately taking a look at what's going on inside is the perfect opportunity to begin to non-judgmentally see how your own emotions are doing this. Are you snapping at your spouse, kids, or cashier? It could be because you haven't taken the time to pay attention to how annoyed or frustrated you are with being stuck at home or the fact that you need some alone time. Are you using COVID-19 as an excuse to procrastinate or not follow through on your commitments? It could be because you haven't acknowledged to yourself how helpless you feel which is leading you to act as if you're a victim to your circumstances rather than as someone with volition? Or are you overeating, over-sanitizing, or over-consuming information right now? It could be because you haven't acknowledged the anxiousness you feel, which is leading you to seek control where you feel like you have it, rather than accepting your nervous feelings and turning them into something productive. Is this beginning to make sense? Basically, whenever we have unexamined emotions, they come out in our unhealthy habits and relational patterns, in the behaviors we've used, which are not actually useful or good for us, but they sure do make us feel comfortable in the moment, don't they? They provide that immediate gratification, which creates an internal feedback loop whereby we further ignore and deny what our emotions are trying to tell us while at the same time justifying our own bad behavior and reinforcing our own unhealthy habits. And because we're human, we all have these tendencies. Also, because we're human, all of us have the capacity to understand ourselves better in order that we might act more lovingly toward ourselves and toward each other. So step four, after you've gained a little bit of space from your emotions to understand them, name what you need. If your emotions are providing you with feedback, if they're communicating to you, then what are they telling you that you need? I've just given you several different examples where perhaps the need is space, alone time, reassurance, to take personal responsibility or ownership. Maybe it's comfort, creativity, acceptance of reality. Whatever your need, name it, and then take steps to meet it or to get it met to the best of your ability. If you need peace and quiet, could you and your spouse take turns watching the kids while the other goes for a drive? If you need comfort, could you spend some time with Jesus? Could you ask your spouse to listen and hug you? If you need to get some anxious energy out, could you go for a run? In times of crisis and in circumstances where we become aware of how little control we actually have over our lives, we tend to react in one of two ways. We deny and ignore the fact that we need help, and we try to go it alone, or we overly depend on others to meet our needs and fail to take responsibility for ourselves. But being an emotionally healthy adult means taking responsibility for ourselves and finding the balance between taking care of ourselves and others and letting others help take care of us. And the only way we achieve this balance is if we first acknowledge our own needs. And the only way we figure out what we need is by paying attention to our emotions. See how that all works? I know for me this looked like accepting my emotions as they came, processing them as I became aware, spending time with the Lord, letting Him minister to my heart and remind me that He holds the world in His hands even when it's hard to see, and sharing my feelings with Evan and with close family and friends. Or going back to my original example from my CE training, the only reason my instructor was able to model emotional health, empathize with that woman's emotions, and call her to better behavior was because he himself had already done his own emotional work. So put on your own emotional oxygen mask first so that you can then help others with theirs. In step five, the last step is choose how you will respond. Once more, You are not your emotions. Your emotions are there to serve you, to motivate you toward the things you care about and need as a human. So rather than letting them control you, let them show you what you care about, what you need, and what you desire, so that you can act out of love, not out of fear. And that's really the bottom line of emotional health. It's learning how to act in love, how to act out of your integrity, rather than reacting out of fear. And being in a position to choose how you respond, to choose your own thoughts despite your fears, to choose your own actions despite the crowd, and to choose your own response amidst widespread panic, it's really one of the most freeing and empowering things you can do. You know, I think this is one of the greatest gifts God has given us, (laughs) to have free will, to not be controlled or bound by anything when it comes to our inner world. And I just think what a testament it would be to a hurting world for us to demonstrate love during this time rather than fear, compassion rather than criticism, and hope instead of despair. And we're capable of this, even in the midst of crisis, especially, actually, in the midst of crisis. But we've got to move through our emotions in order to use them to move us forward in love. All right? I know that may be a lot to think about, and you may need to listen to this again to actually move through these steps. But I want to move into the segment that we're doing during the COVID-19 series called Good News and Gratitudes. So for good news, if you want to see how easily kids move through their emotions and are able to choose love despite their circumstances, just go to Bravemarriage.com slash podcast, click on this latest episode, episode number ninety-two and take a look at the pictures of the sidewalk art in a neighborhood where Evan and I walk. They definitely brought joy to my days this week. Also, a family member told me about a little boy in their neighborhood who was feeling bummed about not being able to have a birthday party due to social distancing, and because of his parents' efforts, this little boy was surprised with cards and balloons from neighbors, as well as a car parade put together by his friends for his birthday. Isn't that such a fun idea? And for this week's gratitude, I'm grateful it's spring. In fact, that's how I chose to worship this morning, thanking God for his creativity and blessing us with beauty derived from his own imagination. And speaking of using your imagination for good, your action step this week is to walk yourself through these steps and then let me know how it goes. Paying attention to how you feel, staying with your feelings, detaching to observe, Naming what you need and choosing how you respond. You can let me know how this goes by replying to the survey email I sent out last week or simply by emailing me, kinsey at brave And here's my prayer for us this week that God would help us move through our anxieties and our worries about this life, that we might see how much more to life there is. And knowing that all of the nations are experiencing the same thing, and knowing that. He is aware and paying attention to every single one of our emotions and situations, that we would trust Him to provide and be present for us in our time of need, that He would shape our desires to seek Him first, that He would help us to move through our fear, and that we would demonstrate goodness in our homes and to the world around us as we move through each day. All right, friends, sending love and prayers your way, and we'll talk soon. Bye-bye. not a bond. Love is just as fragile